You're listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at the River. Today I'm going to be ministering to you on the topic of really, it's really going to help the way that you think about yourself, which is going to bring healing to many of you today. Amen. There's two verses I love in the Bible, and uh, one is found in Matthew 19:26. The other is Mark 9:23, and one says this. It says, "All things are possible to the one that believes." The other one says that all things are possible with God, which is really great because God lives within us. Amen. Which means that which is not, uh, you know, everything's possible with God and God's in us. So all things are possible with us if we believe. But the question is, we have to learn to believe in what God's word says. Amen. Now, now that I got you standed up here, I want you to say something with me. And as, I, as you say this, I want you to say it in faith. Are you ready? Yeah. Say it with me. I can have it. Whatever I want. Say it again. I can have it. Whatever I want. Now, that was pretty good, but I want you to say it with an attitude. I can have it. Whatever I want. <laughs> now you say, why, why are you doing that, Pastor? Because when you say it with an attitude, you, it creates an emotion. And whenever it's emotion, it's in your heart. Faith has to be in your heart for God to do what he wants to do in your life. And God wants you to know that you can have whatever he's promised. Say amen. You can have whatever he has promised. You can have it today. You can leave this building blessed abundantly above all that you can think or imagine. Amen. Turn on it right now and turn to the neighbor and say you can have it and then you can go ahead and be seated. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah, Jesus. I want to start today with a first miracle that Jesus did. And I want you to look up at the screen here. This is John chapter 2, verse 1. And I want you to see this story with me. On the third day, there was a wedding in the Canaan of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, They have no wine. Jesus said unto her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And his mother said to the servant, whatever he says, do it. Now there was six there or six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said unto them, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said unto them, draw some out now and, and take it to the master of the feast, and they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made into wine, he did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom. Hallelujah. And he said unto him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, in other words, they get starting to feel a little bit, then the, then the inferior, you have kept the good wine, until now. Say it with me. God has uh, reserved the good wine until now. I want, you to hit, I want you to see, first of all, this particular miracle. When they had weddings in the Jewish culture, weddings would last about seven days. 
And so this was at the end of the wedding when he provided gallon after gallon after gallon after gallon after gallon of gallon of wine, and he did it supernaturally. Now, what is significant is this. The servants, many of the ways that they would make wine is they would pour water into a container, and then they had this paste of, of grapes that they would stir into the water and turn the water into wine. Now, the servants probably expected when Jesus said, fill those water pots up, they're probably expecting the next thing that they would do is mix it with that grape paste that makes the wine. But that wasn't the case. It changed supernaturally. And when I read this story, the part that grabs me is this. The first miracle that Jesus did was a miracle that changed the way people felt. Excuse me just for a minute. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus changed the way the person felt. So much for tennis shoes. Amen. But the point that I want you to see is that the first miracle was to change the way people felt. And I believe it's a sign that the ministry of Jesus was to change the way you felt about life. He came to turn sorrow into gladness. He, turned to, to, he came to change lack into an abundance. He came to bring restoration where there was brokenness. So whatever sorrow you've experienced in your life right now, Jesus came to make you happy, to make you glad, to make you celebrate, to give you joy unspeakable, full of glory. And always remember this, that when you believe in faith, it changes the way you feel. All of a sudden, there's a joy. All of a sudden, there's a peace. All of a sudden, there's something inside of you that is so exciting and satisfying when God is moving in your life in a great way. And so when I look at that story, I get really prepped with it because I realized the scripture said, taste and see that the Lord is good. When you taste something, you feel something, right? Mm, that's good. When you see something, watch this, you also feel something. Here's the difference between imagination and vision. When you have a vision, you see yourself possessing it before you actually, before it actually materializes. Today, I want a lot of you to say to yourself, I'm going to have to start seeing myself possessing what Christ has promised me. He said the best wasn't yet to come. The best is now. In other words, I'm going to start seeing myself heal, start seeing myself prosper, start seeing myself overcoming, start seeing myself as more than a conqueror, start seeing myself as my family saved, start seeing myself as accomplishing this and that. I got to start seeing myself in that, in, my, in the Lord. Amen? Amen? Instead of the old religious adage, in the sweet by and by, it'll be sweet in the, in the life to come. But what about what the scripture says, as the days of heaven upon earth? Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to start seeing the blessing of God in your life where you feel like, man, I got it. Woo, I see myself prospering. I see myself healed. I see myself overcoming. I see myself accomplishing what God had called me to accomplish in my life. But the struggle is this. It's not 
What other people think that matters about your life. It's what you think about yourself that matters. Let me say that again. It isn't as, it's not about what other people think about you. It's what you think about yourself that'll make a difference. If you think that you are what God has called you to be, then your life is going to thrive. But if you allow other people to discern what you think you are, oh, he's no good. He's done this. She's done that. You're going to miss the blessing. God wants us to be concerned about how we think about ourselves. Yeah. Hallelujah. And you see this throughout Scripture. Uh, one of my favorite texts is in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation of those in Christ Jesus who walk according, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. What does walking according to the flesh mean exactly? It means to walk in the faulty image of man that was created from the fall of mankind in the beginning. In other words, to walk in a false image of yourself because of sin and iniquity that has marred us. When you walk in the spirit, what you do is you walk in the image of the new man in Christ Jesus. You begin to embrace the new identity of Christ that is inside of you. The new man who's more than a conqueror, who's an overcomer, who can prevail, who's seated in heavenly places, who's been made righteous by Christ, who walks in Christ's holiness. That new man or woman in Christ Jesus that is royalty, that is a king and a queen and a prince and a princess. That's who you are. I don't care where you're at that's who you are and when you embrace that identity and stop thinking the way other people think you are and start thinking to yourself this is what I am this is what I can do this is what I can accomplish it doesn't matter how much has been lost doesn't matter how many times you've been spoke negatively start thinking for yourself so that you can receive the blessing of the Lord now, let, let, me, let me say something. See, the way that you think about yourself will determine how people treat you. Let me say that again. The way that you think about yourself determines how people treat you. You remember that first generation that was in doubt and unbelief that they could go in and possess the promised land? Remember that story? They came back, they had a bad report, and they said this, we were grasshoppers. In their sight, this is the part I want you to see, and so we were. In other words, they treated them as grasshoppers because they saw themselves as grasshoppers. I don't want you to see yourself as on the bottom. I want you to see yourself as on the top. I don't want you to see yourself as sick and weakly. I want you to see yourself on top. I want you to, uh, come on, I want you to see yourself prosperous. I want you to see yourself removing the mountain. I want you to see yourself, come on, doing great things for God. I want you to see that, see that. And people will treat you in like respect. In other words, the way that I think about myself affects how people treat me. Hallelujah. One of the greatest enemies that we have in the faith today isn't necessarily your circumstances. 
It's the way that you think about yourself. Because if you think of yourself as a nobody, if you think of yourself as at the bottom of the list, if you think of yourself as someone that's not smart, not intelligent, can't do this, can't do that, if you think like that, God's greatness can't operate through you. But the reality is you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. You are more than a conqueror. You are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You have been sealed by the anointing of God's spirit. Christ is inside of you. The Christ that walked on the water, the Christ that was raised from the dead, the Christ that healed the blind. But come on, that's who's inside of you. You. So, if you think of yourself as someone that is insignificant, it's going to affect the people what, the way people treat you. You're not going to be treated the way that the opportunities won't come in your life because they won't see it in you. The way that we think is extremely important in your life. Now, let me let me say something at this point that I think. We can all relate to. How many have been exposed to religion at some time in your life? Religion for many, many years taught the scriptures incorrectly. They would teach Romans 3 and they would beat everybody and say, you know, you're a sinner. You've fallen from grace, which is all true until you get saved. But once you get saved, you're no longer a sinner. Now you're a saint. You're no longer at the bottom. Now you're on the top. You're no longer defeated. Now you're an overcomer. You're no longer, you're no longer, you're no longer, you're no longer. John said it this way. Whatever is begotten of God has overcome the world. Sure, I was that, but I'm not that now. Now I'm this, and because I'm this, that's what I think I can do. That's why I think I can remove the mountain. That's why I think I can overcome. So some of us get that uh, worm mindset. I'm a worm. I'm a worm. Whatever you think you are, you'll be treated likewise. And last time I checked, worms get stepped on. Last time I checked, worms live in the ground. Birds come and eat them. I don't want to be a worm. I want to be the bird. Amen? And so I want you to grasp that and say to yourself, how have I been thinking about myself? Have I been thinking that I'm a no-gooder? Have I been thinking that I'm a terrible person? Have I been thinking that I'll never amount to anything in my life? Because the only ones that can stop you is you yourself. And let me, let me tell you something. What we're talking about is the healing of the soul. James chapter 1 verse 21 says that when you renew your mind, they call it the saving of the soul. Some of you need your soul saved today. Not your heart, not your spirit, but your soul needs to be saved. In fact, every time people got healed in the Bible, there was a healing of the soul. James chapter 5, verse 15 says that the prayer of faith would save the sick, and if they committed any sins, they shall be forgiven. What was the sins about? Saving the soul. Had to save the soul. He, he says that we are to uh, confess our faults one to another so that we might be healed. In other words, have your soul healed first, and then your body will come next. Some of you need a healthy soul. A healthy soul. Not a, not, a, not a sick soul, but a healthy soul. 
Because if you got a healthy soul, it'll heal your body. Amen? Instead of talking about how much pain you're in and all that, start speaking a blessing over your body. Body, you may look a little old, but I'm going to speak a blessing on you. You're strong. You're vigorous. God's renewing your strength like the eagles. Praise God. Start speaking to that bad joint in the name of Jesus. Start speaking to that pain in the name of Jesus. In other words, save your, get a healthy soul. Healthy soul. Healthy soul. Now, that doesn't mean that we're not compassionate about people that are in pain and all that. We are. But you want to make sure you emphasize who you are above what's bugging you right now. Because that's what brings healing. I've seen this with a lot of people. I remember growing up, growing up in the church, and, and most Christians had uh, a, how do I say it, a poverty soul. Their soul was so poverty-driven, they had a sick financial soul. Whenever you talk about money, oh, everybody's got it but me. Whenever you talk about being blessed, everyone's got it but me. Life's hard. It's a grind. It's going to be painful, all that. They need the healing of the soul. The reality is that if you heal your soul mentally concerning finances, the blessing of God will flow through your life. Oh, praise God. Can we just do a praise offering right now? Can we just praise him right now? Just... just. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for healing me. Thank you for helping me rearrange my mental furniture. Thank you, Lord, for helping me emphasize what I need to emphasize in my life to be blessed. Let me think on those right things. Now, I'm going to make a powerful statement here, and I want you to listen to what I'm saying. I want you to save yourself by changing the way you think. Salvation only comes from Christ, but to receive salvation, you have to save yourself mentally. You have to change the way you think to believe. And once you do that, the salvation that God provides for you can heal you. Some of you just need to save yourself from that negative attitude. Save yourself from giving up all the time. Save yourself from saying, there's no use, there's no use, I can't do it. You got to save yourself from the kinds of thoughts that bring defeat in your life. Amen. What we need to do is embrace God's truth at the expense of these negative thoughts that are trying to make us think that we're something that we're actually not. I want you to look at a verse of this is in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 7. I'm going to go real fast here because I want you to see this. In this verse, it shows us how when you change your thinking into positive thinking about other people, the positive image that you have about them can influence your enemies to become your friends. Look what it says on the screen. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. This is what Jesus did on the cross. He didn't say, yo, you snakes, you vipers, you evil people. He didn't say that. He said, Father, forgive them. 
And at Pentecost, when Peter preached his first sermon, many of them that cried out, crucify him, crucify him, came and bowed their knee to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. He changed them. He changed them by blessing them instead of cursing them. Stephen, when he was being stoned, he said, Father, hold this not against them. And what he's doing, he's blessing them. He's blessing them. And the result was there was a man there by the name of Paul of Silas who is carrying the, or holding the garments of those stoning, stoning him. And, and he got saved later through the blood of Jesus. Can you say amen? Because the love of God is what changes people. So instead of mentally saying, that's my enemy, that guy's no good, She'll never work out. Those kids will never grow any brains. Instead of mentally doing that, bless them. Bless them. Now, I'm going political now. Watch. We can't afford to not bless the leadership in America. I don't care if it's Democrat. I don't care if it's Republic. We got we to gotta man up. We got to man up to say we're going to bless everyone in office. Even the stupid ones. Amen. We're going to bless them. We're going to bless them. We're going to see them saved and set free. We're going to see their gifts being manifested. We're going to see God changing their life. We're going to see the good inside of them. Because we got many of our enemies are going to become our friends. Many of those who have been persecuting the church are going to be part of the church. Many of those who have been trying to cast us down are going to be in the front lines with us fighting the good fight of faith. Many of those, many of those. Praise God. Praise God. You got to bless those that oppose you. You got to bless those that say you can't do this. You got to bless those that don't understand you. You got to bless those that have given up on you. You got to bless them. Come on, church. Come on. You got to bless them. Bless them. Bless them. Bless them. Whew. Man, I, there's power in this. And you know, as a Christian, we don't sacrifice like the early church did. They'd hang them on trees and burn them, burn them as, you know, torches. And all they would do is bless those that were doing it to them. They'd be thrown into jail and they'd bless them. And that's why the early church kept expanding, kept growing, because the blessing changed them. The way that we think within our mind of what a person is affects that person. You got to get blessing in your mind so that you can bless those people that are struggling, that are blind, that kid that's wayward. You don't you dare think he won't make it. You start thinking he's going to make it. He's going to make it. He's going to make it. He's blessed. He's had favored. God's going to help him in a great way. Whew. But that's going to take some focus because it's completely contrary to everything that we've ever believed. Now, I'm going to show you something in the scripture, how this will affect you. This is so powerful. Look up on the screen. This is Isaac. Isaac has just been blessed with a hundredfold harvest. And in the Bible here, it says that he went out then and began to dig wells. I want you to notice what happens. Also, Isaac, servants dug in the valley and found a well of running water there. But the herdsmen of Gerah quarreled with Isaac. Herdmen saying, the water is ours. So he called the name of the well Isaac, because they quarreled with him. Then, the, then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that one also. So he called it the name Sitar, which means uh, to fight with individuals. Now, now here's the point I want you to see. 
there was no blessings happening to Isaac when he was quarreling. See, hatred blocks the blessing. Now, this is going to be hard for you, but this, you need to hear this next thing. Being hurt blocks the blessing. Well, I forgive them, but are you hurt? I'm hurt. Well, the hurt blocks the blessing. He's found well, but he's not being blessed because of the well. There's contention. There's contention. Look at the next, look, look what happens. And he moved from there and dug another well, and they did not quarrel. Say it with me. They did not quarrel over it. So he called the name Rehoboth because he said, for now the Lord has made room for us and we shall be fruitful in the land. In other words, now, the, now he's being blessed. I wonder how many people are waiting for God to bless them when God is waiting for them to quit thinking evil thoughts about the person that's opposing them. Thinking about, oh, what you did to me. Oh, what you did that to me. Oh, you said this to me. Oh, you did this and did this and do this. Instead of saying, oh, Lord, I'm going to bless them. I'm going to bless them, Lord. I, I know they don't deserve it, but I didn't either. I'm going to bless them. I'm going to believe you're going to work out God's will in your life, in their life. And I'm going to call them a friend, not an enemy. I'm going to call them a, 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 a warrior with me. I'm going to call them something good. And not four letters. Is there any reason why there's just a holy hush right now? Is that because we're under conviction? I don't want you to get all freaked out about this. I'm just showing you a principle that you have to emphasize the blessing over the curse. You have to emphasize the blessing over disobedience. You got to uh, emphasize God's goodness over his wrath. You got to exercise. Woo, you got to emphasize his grace over his judgments. And when you do that, you release the blessing in your life. Write this down. This is a million dollar verse right here from me. Whatever you emphasize in your thought life, you'll eventually start to believe. If you emphasize failure, you will eventually believe you're a failure. If you emphasize in your thought life that you're going to overcome, you're going to prevail, then you'll eventually believe whatever you are emphasizing in your life. Let me give you a little secret to this. You want to live right for God? You know how you to do it? By emphasizing the positive things that the gospel has offered us. You remember the verse of 1 Corinthians 15, it says that, that, uh, that there's a sting with sin. And then it says the strength of sin is the law. Why would it say the strength of sin is the law? Because the law had to do with don't do this, don't do that, don't touch, don't do that. It was always the negative part. And if you emphasize that, it created more negativity. It created more sin in this area, in that area. Let me test it for you. I've been in the ministry now for a long time. We're going to be coming up 40 years here. And I've seen ministers come and go and fall. And almost every minister I know who ended up falling was usually a minister that emphasized certain kinds of sin. 
He would talk about adultery all the time. He'd talk about fornication all the time. He'd talk about pride. And, 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 the, and the reason why he fell is because he emphasized that to the point that that sin became strong in him. And if you were to ask him after his sermon what he was struggling with, he was probably struggling with that same sin. He was probably maybe practicing that same sin inside, and he felt good if he told everybody how bad it was. But he was failing because of his emphasis. You got to emphasize obedience over disobedience. You got to emphasize healing over illness. You got to emphasize prosperity over lack. You got to emphasize, come on, joy over sadness. You got to emphasize uh, peace over worry. You got to focus in on the things of the Spirit. And when you do, praise God, it will alter your life. That's why it says, count it all joy when you fall into trials. Start thinking about what's, what's happening. Thinking about what's coming up. Now stand up with me right now, everybody. I'm going to share something in the conclusion of this message. You probably couldn't receive it sitting down anyway. Now remember we talked about Isaac. As soon as he quit quarreling, the blessing came. Soon as he found peace within himself, the blessing came. Quit struggling over the negativity in his mind and surrendered to the peace of God in his life. The blessing came. Look what happens. Look up on the screen. These people that were his enemies became their, his friends. And you know what they wanted to do? They wanted to have a covenant of peace with him. It was a, it was a blood covenant. And listen to what it says. Then they arose early in the morning and swore an oath with one another. Isaac sent them away, and they departed from him in peace. Not in war, peace. Watch the next. And it came to pass the same day that Isaac's servant came and told him about the well. Oh, this is so good. Which they had dug and said to him, we have found water. In other words, now what, in other words, when you, be, when, you, when you become at peace with yourself and you quit fighting with that negativity in your life and surrender to what God's word says, at that point you're going to find wells in your life. You're going to find treasures in your life. You're going to find blessings in your life. You're going to find opportunities in your life. In other words, you're going to find it as soon as you make peace with yourself. Make peace with yourself. Come on, give up on being negative. Give up on giving up. Come on, give up on saying you can't do it. Give up on it. Give up on it. Give up on it. So I'm surrendering, Lord. I'm going to be at peace in my mind concerning God's will in my life. Man, that's, it's easy to preach, hard to live, though. But that's the key. You got to come, you got to live and say, all right, my mind. And I've had this happen where I'm standing in faith. All of a sudden, I get a thought and a feeling that's completely negative. That says, I'm not going to make it. I, I got I to wrestle that down and, and get at peace with what God's word says. Be not troubled, I've overcome the world. Woo! 
Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I got to get at peace with myself. That's why a lot of you are worked up. That's a lot why a lot of you are worrying. That's why a lot of you are upset. You're not at peace with yourself. That new man in Christ Jesus will never settle. He'll never have a peace treaty with negative thinking. He'll never have a peace treaty that you're not going to make it. He'll never have a peace treaty you're going to stay sick. He'll only have a peace treaty when you know you're healed, when you know you're going for it, when you know you're going over the top. That's the only way, only way, only way, only way. Thanks for listening today. For more messages like this one, check out our podcast, River App, and our website at theriver.church. We're the river, and we're doing life together.